Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Philly Experience Podcast. My name is Max Kretzula, joined by WIP's Tire Hood and WHIP's Tanner Gill-Martin. Gentlemen, nine days away from the NFL draft. I know we're all excited for it. How are you guys doing? How are you guys feeling about it? Have you changed your opinions on who you want? What? I mean, are you really just... Are you getting to that point where you're just bored of talking about it and you just wanted to get here already? And I'm just ready to yell at this team for no damn good reason, to be honest with you. I, I just got a feeling I'm going to yell in nine days. So let's just get the yelling over and done with. Let me just deliver the boots, the asses to this team and get it over with. Max, I, I'm pretty set on, on the guy that I want the Eagles to draft, um, but it, it looks like maybe Howie Roseman is not set. I, I still haven't seen a mock draft that that duplicates another one so i think everything's still up in the air yeah definitely still up in the air i think one of the things you have to look at is jalen waddle Devontae smith will both of them be there will one of them be there then you got to flip the script and talk about patrick Sertain. you got to talk about jc horn possible cornerback selection there pick 12 you also have to mention the possibility of jumping back up into the first round like the eagles have been rumored to do uh the last few days so there's a ton to talk about with this nfl draft coming up we'll see what happens and later on we want to touch on the fills their stretch of games sitting right now at 500, eight and eight record, some positives, uh, some negatives that are definitely eye-opening. We'll get to that as well. And then the it's Sixers ridiculous. really just neck and neck right now with the Brooklyn Nets trying to get to that one seed. So we'll have to touch on them towards the end and see, uh, you know, what our opinions are. Ben Simmons missing a game the other night. Tobias Harris, again, his knees lingering, that, that knee issue he's had um, on and off throughout the season. So we'll touch on that again later on. But Right now, when you talk about this draft, and again, we've done it multiple shows in a row now, nine days away. I mean, we're really, we're really getting down to to the nitty gritty here towards the end of uh, you know our discussions, at least the prediction part of things. Then we want to roll into uh, two weeks from now, talking about you know the selection of the Eagles, what they did. So, Tay, I'll throw it to you first here. Jalen Waddle, and I, again, your colleague Elliot Shore Parks actually was on morning show this morning talking about. Howie Roseman valuing speed, valuing actually Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith. I want to get your opinion on that. And also Patrick Sertain. A lot of people have him ranked as the number one cornerback, but also I'm hearing a lot of rumors about this J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Uh, freak athlete, probably not as fundamentally sound as Patrick Sertain is, especially because Patrick Sertain's father, a three-time Pro Bowler in the NFL um, in previous years before his retirement. So when you look at this overall Eagles draft wide receiver cornerback position, what's your mindset? So my mindset is best. It's still at the end of the day, it's best player available because at the end of the day, you really can't do nothing wrong when you're sitting at that 12. Okay. Let me, let me take that back. Let me take that back. We're talking about Howie Roseman here. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. You know, before I even get into the conversation, we're recording this on 420. Happy 420 stoners. And this is all this is for you guys. Stay off the weed. <laughs> all right i had to get that out the way all right now back back to the matter at hand now like i said you can't a normal team can't go wrong all right in this position now yes howie roseman does value speed as we've seen last year as a matter of fact he he drafted about three speed three speedsters and jalen Gregor, um kez watkins and john hightower all guys who had a high 40 time although they're not really that good of receivers so far as they've shown, but he really values speed, and that's fine. You, you definitely need speed, as we've seen in past years, where the Eagles, when they didn't have that speed threat, they couldn't necessarily open the field. And, you know, 
that was a problem. You know, you could if you can't stretch a defense out, if a defense can can play nice and tight on you and, you know, collapse on you, the offense isn't going to move. You got to be able to have that guy to kind of keep those safeties at bay and to keep those safeties out of the box. So you need a guy who has speed, but at the end of the day, does is that guy a true threat? Can that guy still catch the football? Can that guy still get open? Is that guy still fundamentally sound at the right receiver position? It's one thing to draft a guy with speed. But can he actually catch the damn ball? That's the that's the basic overall point at the end of the day. So Jalen Waddle is that guy. Jalen Waddle is an excellent prospect at 12. I would have no problem with the Philadelphia Eagles drafting Jalen Waddle at 12. I would also have no problem drafting a cornerback at 12 either. You talked about it. Patrick Sertain is the number one cornerback coming out of the draft um, from a lot of people's mock drafts, and I can't argue with that from the film that I've looked at. The guy is very fundamentally sound. Also, Alabama is just like a, a – you draft any defensive guy from Alabama and you <laughs> your team should be good. I'm telling you that right now. Like their program is just excellent in terms of churning out defensive players. So there's guys like that. And then also J.C. Horn. Oh, my gosh. J.C. Horn is uh, a natural-born lockdown defender, man. Like, he's not going to get a whole lot of interceptions. But if I were to make an honest, and I hate doing this, if I were to make a, a comparison to what type of player he is, he reminds me of a young Nandi Asamoa in terms of the way he's able to lock down guys and just completely take away that side of the field. He's not going to get a whole lot of interceptions as a result because quarterbacks just aren't going to try to throw his way. But... You know, having that guy who can just take away an entire side of the field, we've seen that with New York Jets for a lot of years with Darrell Reeves and, and what value that can bring. So honestly, you really can't go wrong here. Now, just based off of the research that I've done in my own personal board that I've that I've put together and still putting together, to be honest with you, um, I would still go right receiver first. I will go right receiver first because I feel like after the top receivers in the first round are gone, I feel like there's a drop-off at, at the right receiver talent. So you can get away with drafting another corner, you know, in the second or the third round and, you know, drafting a developmental guy. So, yeah, just in my opinion, they still need to go – they still need to go the the cornerback, the, the wide receiver route just because of that drop-off, like I said. It – the only problem is we're st- we're talking about Howie Roseman here, fellas. Like we we don't know what the hell they're gonna do now. They're rumored that they're gonna trade up. Like I, I don't know, fellas. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're gonna do. There's a lot of ways they can screw this thing up. I'll tell you what. Uh, the name that I'm gonna write in permanent marker right now on this piece of paper is Devonte Smith. The Eagles need to draft Devonte Smith. Um, I mean, I guess it, it really depends on if the Eagles draft up, but still you have to get the best available player. T mentioned that too. And it's got to be Devontae Smith because of the chemistry that he's going to be able to quickly build with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. They already know each other. And if you want Jalen Hurts to succeed as much as he can and figure out if you have the quarterback of the franchise's future, you get him as many weapons as you can. And if you pass on Devontae Smith, the Heisman, and he works out, then you're even in more of a worse position. And there goes Howie Roseman's job. It, I mean, that has to be. I wouldn't be, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he was still here after. But I'm even if you, the Eagles draft Devontae Smith and he does not work out, you took the chance on a Heisman. You didn't go ahead and draft a low key player that no one's ever heard of and he didn't work out. 
there's there's less of a floor of a deep floor if you if you draft Vontae Smith and he doesn't and he doesn't work out. That's who I want the Eagles to go with. I want them to focus on wide receiver, a skills player in the first, and then in the second round, take care of cornerback. And then there's edge rusher in the third round. That That's my order. Yeah, I think one of the arguments for Jalen Waddell is the fact that how he values the speed threats on the outside. And Waddell, again, probably the fastest wide receiver in the draft. And T brings up a good point. After those top three guys, you want to throw Kyle Pitts in there as possibly a fourth, you know, a wide receiver yeah. tight end mix. But you have Pitts, Waddell. Smith uh, clearly are the top guys um, on our board that that and I on everybody's board, you know. And I think when you had that argument about the speed of Jalen Waddle, you had the injury to his ankle this season. Uh, maybe even last year, if he decided to come out, he would have been probably the first receiver taken. This year, if he doesn't go down with that ankle injury, he gets a full game or full set of games with Alabama. Maybe Dante Smith's numbers aren't as inflated. Maybe they're more even. And Waddle again possibly could be the number one uh, wide receiver off the board. Um, in you know, generally speaking, for the most part. So for me, when you look at cornerback versus receiver, because I think those are the two biggest needs on this team, especially signing Eric Wilson, um, at least kind of covered up. You know, I'm not going to say it solved the linebacker issue, but it kind of put a put a blanket over the linebacker position and maybe as uh, the number one weakness for the team that we've seen uh, the last few years, hopefully plugging him in as a legit starter and guy with an experience um, coming over from Minnesota Anthony Harris, again, in that secondary as a safety, again, has had experience, has had success at the, at the NFL level. So when you look at the two biggest needs, it, it's clearly wide receiver and and um, cornerback, excuse me. So it basically comes down to the four guys that I mentioned in the opening, whether it be Smith, Waddle, Horn, and Sertain. Now, if all four of them are there, which it won't happen, but if three out of the four and, and, you, and you're looking, you're thinking about Howie Roseman and what he values – more on this team everybody's going to have their opinion on i think wide like t said wide receiver number one tanner again you mentioned wide receiver you want to get jalen hurts as many weapons as possible but for me i saw jaquette back in the secondary too many times for my liking last season and if from from and i i get your point Steve, because it is top heavy in the draft with the wide receiver position but i think if certain's there if jc horn is there for me, it would be super just just tough to pass on them because when you think about the secondary of this Eagles team for the past, I don't know how many years. I mean, pick a number, right? Since the Asamoah years, and that's uh, going back what now, ten years ago, oh maybe eight years ago. Yeah. Oh I just want to, I just want to cut in and say something to you. I was willing to listen to drafting a cornerback first, but when you bring up Namdi Asamoah, who by the way is an actor now, he doesn't play football, and a, a guy who is, I believe he's ranked at the top of the Eagles' worst free agency pickups. You bring him up to you lost me in that argument. <laughs> okay, okay. First off, in all fairness, I was using him to compare him to J.C. Horn. And I'm not talking about the 90 Osawai that we've seen here in Philadelphia. I'm talking about the 90 Osawai who was a shutdown corner for the Oakland Raiders. All right, let's just get that. Now, now, all right, now the Las Vegas Raiders. So let, let, let's just get that out the way right now. All right, it, it, listen, I, I hear you guys. And honestly, they really can't go wrong drafting either or. A cornerback, a top cornerback, or a wide receiver. They really can't go wrong. Now, the guy I really wanted them to get, the guy I honestly really wanted them to get, if they would have stayed their asses at six, damn it, if we would have had Kyle Pitts, I have never seen a guy with that size come out of the draft and is completely unable 
Nobody can stick with that man. Nobody. That man destroyed, all right, the top cornerbacks coming out of this draft. All right, I've watched him on film. Kyle Pitts, honestly, I'm I'm going to be honest with y'all. I would put him as my number two prospect after Trevor Lawrence, straight up on my board. He is the number He's a Philly guy, too. Yes, he is. I would put him at number two. Like, honestly, that's who, honestly, the Philadelphia Eagles should have stayed. When they, they would have stayed pat at six, that's who they should have got. And he pretty much would have fell through pretty much to their lap. Because for the most part, three, uh, three or four of the, out of the five teams that would have that was slated ahead of the Eagles at that time. We were probably going to draft quarterbacks. The Bengals were probably going to draft an offensive tackle, leaving you with Kyle Pitts. Now, See, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home tonight, right? You know, after you're working, I want you to go home. I want to put, I want you to put your head on the pillow. I want you to dream about Kyle Pitts in an Eagle uniform. Cause that's all it's going to be. Yeah. That's gonna all be it's going to damn be. Yes. It's not, it's not going to happen. I wish it did. I wish that I kind of wish they stayed at six, to be honest with you, looking uh, like a Jamar chase and Pitts. I get the future assets, and we had that discussion a few weeks back. It depends on – for me, it just comes down to what players we get in the future, and you can't talk about success in the draft with Howie Roseman. Those two words just don't go together. So <laughs> for me, in this upcoming draft, if we get a receiver, fine. If we if we get a cornerback, fine. Other than that, I think it would be uh, a lost cause if we don't get one of those two positions in the first round. And for me, the argument I'm just going to make here is the fact that I have to, me personally – if I'm going to go cornerback in my argument here with Warner Sertain, I have to bank on the fact that Jalen Rager is going to take two or three steps forward this upcoming, not just one step forward. I need to, I got to bank on him taking two or three steps forward this upcoming season because he needs to step up and be that number one draft pick uh, that the Eagles took last season and really show his skill set and what he can do um, and give Jalen Hurts a weapon to really go to, whether it be a deep threat, whether it be I'm hearing they're possibly going to move into the slot more. But just be a guy, him and Dallas Goddard, because we know Zach Ertz won't be on the team. Him and Dallas Goddard just have to be the two guys to step up and really have uh, really solid seasons. We're, we're taking, again, like I said, we're taking baby steps here. We're not going to the Super Bowl this year. We oh, just have yeah, to continue no. to build this team. Baylor hopefully comes back healthy. Maialata hopefully continues to improve and get that, that footwork down as a left tackle. Lane Johnson stay healthy this year with that ankle injury. Offensive line, I'm not too too concerned about. I mean, it's still you still want depth on the offensive line if you're a team at the end of the day, but it's not the number one weakness. It's not the number one concern. I think if you plug a stud corner in your secondary with hopefully a Riding McLeod coming back off that ACL injury eventually. Now he's not going to be the number one guy you count on back there to make a play, but he's at least a veteran guy. He's a leader in a locker room. He wears the C on his chest for a reason. Um, and if you can have a core back there that you know on paper at least had, would be better than in recent years. You give yourselves a good chance to stop these guys like Holiday. You have to face twice a year. You got to face Cooper and C.D. Lamb, like we mentioned, Terry McLaurin. That's six games where you're facing top-notch receiving talent. So that would give us a legit shot. And then you just have to hope Jalen Hurts develops and gives you probably more than you expect. I mean, this is if, in our opinions, we're winning division. I mean, if you want to sit here as an Eagles fan and you guys listening and you want to say, let's just go, you know, try to go, what is it, 7-10 and 10 this year because we're playing an extra game. Or eight and nine, fine. I mean, if that's an improvement for you over last season, so be it. It would be technically on paper with a better record. But if you're trying to win the division here, if you're trying to make a wild card at least and make the playoffs, and you take a cornerback, you just have to hope Jalen Hurts develops um, and, and does things that you don't expect him to do, uh, whether that be rushing for touchdowns at a high level, maybe not as much as Lamar Jackson, but still probably top two, top three in the league and rushing touchdowns from a quarterback position. 
and also be able to throw the ball at a high level as well with Jalen Rager stepping up. I mean, you're going to have to have a little bit of hope and a little bit of luck uh, offensively if you go cornerback in the first round. Now, if you take a receiver and you have Smith or Waddle and then Rager, I think oh, if you look at this team right now, Rager is the key because you you have a good feeling that Smith or Waddle is going to step in and be pretty solid on day one. But you really need Jalen Rager to develop. And if you can have two guys, then, of course, you'll be able to put up points and hopefully Jalen Hurts takes a step forward. But that's secondary if you go receiver is still a huge problem. And the problem is on top of that, you know, I keep using the word problem because the Eagles have a lot of them. You still don't have enough money or anything like that to go out in free agency uh, for anyone who's still out on the market and get another cornerback. You're still going to have to rely on Avante Maddox. And you guys know how I feel about Avante Maddox. You can compare Avante Maddox for me to Hector Neris to T. I mean, <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, that's, that is the dislike that I have um, for Avante Maddox, who's been here. We know what he is. He's not that good of a cornerback. And to start on the outside and cover these elite receivers, it's just not a recipe for success. It's funny to me, kind too. of where I lie with, with taking the cornerback in the first round. All right, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, listen, like I said, they can't go wrong going right receiver or corner. So I just, I just, I, I, real but quick. See, if they go over, say they go receiver, though, yeah. where, where, and Tanner, you're, you as well. What are they doing that secondary? You're telling me they're going to roll Avante Maddox out there again? But that's we're where I have to give up. But that's where, listen, the that, thing that I want to mention before you guys go is right. how many, how many weeks in a row did we give up 100 yards to a receiver? I mean, it was literally DK Metcalf one week, DeAndre Hopkins the next week. I mean, there was like a six week stretch where we gave up over 100 yards to the number one receiver. Listen, listen, you get no argument out of me. All right, you don't. All right, they really can't go wrong going either right receiver or corner. However, I'm just gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say this real quick. The Philadelphia Eagles really don't have a history of drafting corners in the first or second round, which is something they probably, which is something according to you, they they really need to change. I had to go all the way back, all the way to freaking back to 2002 for us when the last time when the Philadelphia Eagles drafted a defensive back in the first and or second round and back in 2002 they drafted a defensive back in the first and second round as a matter of fact they drafted three of them all right Leo Shepard Michael Lewis and Sheldon Brown 2002 I'm not arguing with you that this team needs to draft some defensive backs I am not however I am more confident in the fact that I can find another defensive back in the second or third round than I am a right receiver a a notable right receiver you're banking on a lot Okay, you are banking on a lot, saying that Jalen Rager is going to come through. All right, he's after the track pick. record. Listen, they drafted him in the first round, and I mean, he was slated to go up. into the second round. Max, that's the one thing that you fail to understand. He was well, supposed to thing. go into that's, the second that's round. That's on Howie Roseman. That's on Howie Roseman then for for screwing the pick up. But at the end of the day, the guy's tagged as a first round pick. That's where he was drafted, and he's got to live up to that billing. Yeah, he, he is he going to? That's the big question. Like, at, just based off of what we've seen in the rookie season, I can't necessarily guarantee that because I don't even know if this man's going to even stay healthy, let alone catch the amount of uh, receiving yards and catches that I need from a first round draft pick receiver. That's all I'm saying. Well, listen, you guys listening out there, yo, hit us up on Instagram at the Philly Experience Podcast. Do you agree? Do you think Jalen Rager and Jalen Hurts can take a step forward and you're fine with taking a quarterback in the first round? Or do you think? The Eagles, as a secondary as a whole, for the most part, have a, have a cornerback in place possibly in the second or third round that's going to step in there be better than Avante Maddox, and then you just take Smith or Waddle in the first round. I mean, like T said, you can't go wrong either way. Personally, I'm taking the cornerback and hoping Rager takes a step forward, but we, I think we got a solid, uh, solid discussion, a solid conversation going on our hands right now. 
Oh, we definitely Yeah, do. just to add on to it, now, if Jalen Rager did work out, we wouldn't be discussing drafting another wide receiver, but th- that's the case here. He did not work out. He didn't play enough uh, for the Eagles to be sold on him uh, as the guy. But, Max, how many times do I have to bring this up? I mean, we're on so many different shows, and I have to bring this up every time. The Eagles are going to be facing the best wide receivers in the league. You got Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, and, and C.D. Lamb twice a year. Um, now you got Galladay twice a year, um, Mike Evans, you got um, Godwin, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, Keenan Allen. This is going to be a very challenging season for those cornerbacks in Philadelphia. And I do think that the Eagles will be able to find a better cornerback than Avante Maddox in the second round. That's why I'm still sticking with wide receiver in the first round. Okay. I mean, you guys, listen, it's a fair point, and that's where it's a hope, right? I'm hoping Jalen Rager takes a step forward and Jalen Hurts does. You guys are hoping it's a they big find ass a starting a starting cornerback in the second or third round. Very possible. Both things can happen. I mean, it, it's it's possible. Now, one of those things has to happen, all right, if we're going to make the argument here. One of those, either Jalen Rager has to take a step forward and be a legit receiver, probably not a number one, but at least a number two. Um, and, and well, he would be the number one on the Eagles team, but, but as far as talent wise, as far as numbers go, a number one type of receiver or the cornerback position, we have to hit on one of those second round picks. I know it's Hante Samuel jr. Has been mentioned countless times, partially, uh, I think because of the fact that nobody else has any idea, another cornerback besides the Hante Samuel jr. Goatman or mocked in that range, but that's just my opinion on that. But when you look at the, the cornerback position versus the wide receiver position overall. And you guys have mentioned it again, Tanner specifically having to go up against those big time names. And I guess you're in, in your opinion before, before I let you go, you're saying put Darius Slay at least on those big time names and then just grab another corner, hopefully in the second round that's can start opposite of him and just be better than Avante Maddox at least. That, that's... You need that assurance. It can't be just Darius Slay. And especially when he gets injured every game, you got to have another guy out there who obviously isn't going to make as big of, a, of an impact as Darius Slay. Now, Darius Slay's he, he's declining now as he gets older. He's not going to be you know a top cornerback as as he once was. But you have him in there plugged in, and then you get another young guy who can now obviously learn off of Darius Slay. Um, and, and he can he can become better, and eventually you know, he'll be there. There'll be other young guys that picked up late in the draft for the next years to come, and you plug those guys in. Now it hasn't worked out for the Eagles um, the past couple of years with you know, rookie cornerbacks, but I do think that this draft is more likely for the Eagles to find that cornerback that's going to be able to start in, in the second round. I do. And also, T, before you go, mm-hmm. if they take a receiver in the first round of pick 12, they're basically admitting they missed on Jalen Rager last year in the first round. I'm I mean, only, that's basically what they're doing. Okay, so It's a I'm, makeup pick. It's a okay. makeup pick. Okay, so I'm not going to necessarily say that they missed out on Jalen Rager. Like I said, teams have teams can build you know their wide receiver core based off of first rounders. We, I, we've seen that happen before. As a matter of fact, if I, I, I okay, going back to Deshaun Jackson when he was drafted, you know, he's drafted in the second round, probably would have been a first round if he didn't come out of UCLA with issues. All right, and then that next year, we drafted Jeremy Backlund, and that was our wide receiver core. So I can't necessarily say that them drafting a wide receiver right. in the first round is necessarily saying that, you know, oh, Jalen Reagan didn't work out. 
I cannot yeah, say that. Yeah, but to that. Tanner's point, Tanner said that we wouldn't be in this position if Jalen Rager just panned out in year one. We wouldn't even be talking about this. We wouldn't have to draft a wide receiver. We wouldn't be talking about drafting a wide receiver uh, in the first round. Or we wouldn't be talking about trying to trade up for another damn receiver. That's the thing. That's where we wouldn't have had to do all those things. Now, in terms of cornerback and, uh, on, on the second day, I do have some names in front of me. Yes, everybody knows about Asante Samuel Jr. from his dad. You still got Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. Um, he might go first round, late first round. Um, he may even slip to the second round. Caleb Fairley is starting to drop down as well. You got Eric Stokes out of Georgia. All right, You got Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. You got Elijah Molden out of Washington, who's more or less a, a slot receiver. You got the big 6'2", 205-foot, 205-pound guy out of Syracuse, Melifianu. All right, look, you got guys in the second round. I'm not like you can you can grab a corner in the second round. That's all I'm saying. Like there's prominent guys that you can draft in the second round. I understand your argument, Max, that you have to draft a corner considering who the hell else we have to play the outside corner position. You can draft, but the thing is you could draft another outside corner in the second round. Receiver, you need some damn playmakers on this damn offense for Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. You need <laughs> look, this team got too many damn needs to be honest with you for us to even count. Let's be honest here. Like I said from the very beginning, you can't go wrong drafting at either or position. I just think that the cornerback position is a little bit more deeper than the wide right receivers this year. Right. Who who is available in the second round for wide receiver in, in this draft? The only T, one, do you know that? Out of without even looking at my notes and, and off the top of my head, there's a guy um out of there's a guy named Terrence Marshall that um I've seen slated if the Eagles go cornerback in the first round, they have this guy named Terrence Marshall being slated. Um I'm still doing research on him as well. But it's really not a lot of receivers. It's a really nice drop off from receivers from the first round to the second round. Yeah. So, look, you better draft you better grab a receiver now. In the first yeah, round. Yeah, Max, and just just to go back on on what you said and if the Eagles draft a wide receiver at number 12, that's basically them saying that you know, Jalen Rager did not work out and that's I I can see where you're coming from, but also just to to add a different viewpoint that could just be the Eagles saying they want more talent for Jalen Hurts to succeed. They, you know, you you can have more than a wide one wide receiver. You 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 know, if you have more than one wide receiver, you're better. Um, and it's also saying not that Jalen Rager didn't work out, but the depth didn't really work out. You add more depth to the wide receiver wide receiver position, you're helping out Jalen Hurts succeed. Yeah, I think if you're taking this team right now and look at them on paper, I think the offense is probably in better shape than the defense is, and that's kind of the reason why I kind of want to go with with the cornerback. Um, not only because of Tanner, you mentioned that the receivers we have to face, the lack of depth that we have in that secondary, but also look at the fact that, let me ask you this question and kind of paint a picture differently. Okay. What if you have a healthy Andre Dillard, you have a healthy Mylotta, and he takes a step forward. You have Lane Johnson coming back off an injury. Brandon Brooks is still a question mark. We'll see. I'm hearing a lot of people trying to pick uh, possibly Najee Harris in the second round at Alabama, the running back. Now, do you guys think if, and, and this is, a, again, we're flipping the script here and, and giving it to you a different way. What We don't have any idea what Nick Sirianni is going to do. We have no idea what his offense is going to be like. We don't know if he's a ground-and-pound type of guy. Is he going to air it out down the field? What if we're a run-first offense? We got Miles Sanders in backfield. What if we get a, a high-end running back in the draft? We got a healthy O-line coming. What if we just 
you know, not, I don't want to call Hertz a game manager because he's not, he's not like a Ryan Tannehill type of guy. He's still going to make plays with his legs. He's still going to be able to throw the football down the field. He's young. He's got the arm, but a second year quarterback, maybe we just try to do a little run heavy offense this year. Try to get his feet under him, give give him some easy throws as a second year guy. First time as a starter. Heck, we don't even know if the GM buys into him as a long-term starter. Maybe you do a run heavy offense. And then if you can get that cornerback in the first round, Maybe you solidify the defense overall. You give yourself a better chance to play close games. Now, do you win the close games or not? Who knows? But the clock will run, being a run-heavy offense. And your defense will definitely be you know, more shored up than it has in previous seasons. What do you think of that argument? So if you want to go run-heavy run offense, what are you going to do? You're going to run the damn ball 80-plus plays in the, in the entire game? No. <laughs> you're not going to be able to freaking do that. I would that. say definitely more than – maybe more than the passing plays. And, again, this isn't going to be a full 17-game season, but maybe this, it's an experiment you work with throughout the first few weeks and see uh, – you know, watch the film, see what's successful and see what's not. Like, don't get me wrong. Like a, a run-heavy offense would honestly – favor the Eagles the way they're built currently at this current moment. But at the same time, like I, I, I hear what you're saying, but you you still got to have receivers to, to pass the damn ball because eventually as a de- if I'm a defensive coordinator and you're a run heavy offense, well, guess what? Okay. You start running that ball against me. You start, you know, hitting all five, seven yards against me. I'm going to bring my safety down into the box and I'm going to smack the hell out of your damn offensive yeah. line. So Listen, I'm, I'm going to start it's stacking the box. It's a crapshoot either way. It's a crapshoot either way because – even if you get Smith or Waddle in that offense, you're still probably not going to be able to outscore teams, especially the firepower, like Tanner mentioned, that we have to play this season coming up. I mean, that's it's, just, another thing it's too. probably not going to happen. And that's another thing, too. If you do go run heavy offense, so you're not going to score a whole lot. Now you're really relying on you're your defense. The, yeah, but you're milking the clock, and you got a, you got a better defense than what you've had in years past. If to be able you to have least. the damn defense. That's the thing. If you have the that's damn defense. That's why you draft the corner in the first round, though. That's why we're drafting the corner in the first round. Okay, but a corner's not going to help. You can have the best corners in the damn world. Those corners are still going to be able to to cover those receivers for only a a period of time. That pass rush still has to get there. The linebackers still have to drop back in the coverage and do what they need to do. And the safeties need to protect over the top. If you don't get all those things working, you can have the best damn corners in the world. It still don't mean that hill of beans. That's all I'm saying. Look. (sighs) Well, you know, we, we could go on about who, you know, which position, but I mean, the truth is in nine days, we're going to be sitting there and we're still not going to know who the Eagles are going to draft <laughs> until, until Goodell comes out there and says the Eagles have made their selection. But I want to pick your guys brain about this one thing that I saw um, because it, it does have a lot to do with who the Eagles draft. And that is the Vegas line for the Eagles 2021 season is 60 or is six and a half wins. Mm. And now I personally, first off, I want to say that this, this comes out early in my opinion. Why, why not wait until after the draft? Um, But for me, I think this is a reasonable projection. I, I would maybe give the Eagles, I would go out on a limb and say the Eagles can pull out seven wins. Mm. You're right. In an extra game season, mm. but uh, I just wanted to hear your guys' opinion on this. Um, you might be too damn optimistic going over the six and a half. I mean, give me the under. Give me the give me the goddamn under. All right, <laughs> I do not see this team even getting to six wins. This team just has too many things that they need to fix, and that they have too many positions that need they need to fill. 
older guys that they need to replace, not to mention the fact that you're getting a whole brand new coaching staff coming up in here, which means there's a whole new culture coming up in here that they need to get adjusted to. It's going to take some time to adjust. I'm sorry. I just don't see this team going, going having over yeah, but, six wins. But T, let's let's look at the opponents. Of course, you got the, the Cowboys, Giants, and Washington <laughs> twice. But you have the Saints, Buccaneers, Chiefs, Chargers, 49ers, and then let's go over to the Falcons, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Lions, the Raiders, and did I mention the Jets? So, okay, the argument is there. But that, who says that you're going to at least beat your division rivals at least once? Who, who says that? The Cowboys are clearly better than us. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. The Cowboys are better than us. All right, Washington has a whole better defense than they, than they than we do, and they can survive honestly in this division. We're off of their damn defense, and the Giants are on the rise. So who's to say? So you're expecting no division wins? I'm not going to season for the Eagles. I'm not going to say no division wins, but damn it, it's going to be very hard to get a division win. I will say that much. It's it's also hard to to sweep a division rival, T, and that's why I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. There's at least a split. Or, you know, the, the Eagles get the best of the Giants, which I don't think is going to happen this season. But then you got the Falcons, um, the Lions, the Jets. Um, I think they can get the best of the Chargers if they're really on their game. And I do think that can happen. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to know that this, I think, although, of course, there's all many, there's so many holes for this team to fill. I think that they can be over a six-win team. Yeah, I think they're going to finish right there. I think they're going six and eleven on uh, in my early projection. I think six and eleven is kind of where they fall. Now, T, you're a little too uh, too down on the birds, I think, especially because Tanner's right. It's so hard to sweep division games, and you know we'll see with Washington. We'll see what happens. We'll see with Dak's injury coming back off the ankle. Daniel Jones, I'm not scared of whatsoever. So I still think the Giants have work to be done. And the the opponents are split after that. Like the out of out of division games, I mean, you're you got some powerhouse teams like the Bucks and the Saints, but then you have some weaker opponents like the Lions and the Jets. Like it, it, those things are toss up. It can go either way. But I still think on paper, uh, Vegas knows. I mean, it's literally six and a half for a reason. Vegas knows what they're doing. If they didn't, they would be losing money every single week. They're in it to make money. So six and a half. There's a reason for that. I think they'll get to six wins, but I don't. I don't think I can give them seven wins. Still. 10 losses is a hell of a lot of losses. So I will say that. I mean, a team loses 10 games in a season, they're a bad football team. Yeah. Very now, bad. Max, I want to ask you real quick. You have six wins in mind. Which draft pick is in mind on that team for you to say six wins is okay? What who draft, the, who did the Eagles mean? draft? Mm. Who, who, who did the I... Eagles draft for you to, to think that six wins was reasonable? A cornerback? Well, I don't think it matters. Yeah, I don't think it matters regardless. I mean, they just don't. Oh, overall, you don't think it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like if okay. they take the receiver, if they take a cornerback, I still think, you know, overall. And again, this the, the key that people need to know uh, about all this is we have no idea. The co- I mean, it's not just a head coach, guys. It's every position on this team. Uh, head uh, coaching wise, head coach, receiver. I mean, every position has changed um, with with regard to the coaching staff. So we don't know what what Sirianni is going to you know script up. He says he's in the film room watching. He's putting all these plays together. We'll see offensive-minded, it sounds like, and he's going to try to create plays down the field. But we have no idea. So that's the problem. Obviously, he's going to draft guys that are towards his scheme and what he wants to run. But until I see with my own eyes, 
you know, what his offensive game plan is, even what his defensive game plan is. I mean, we literally don't even know, are they going to run a 4-3 defense? Are they going to run a 3-4 defense? There's so many question marks. It's hard to answer the question as to how many wins they get over. Um, and, and again, it's because of the fact that there's so many, um, you know, question marks regarding the the team and the, and the scheme that they're going to run. But I think even if you take a, a running back or receiver, I still think it's not going to amount to, you know, one more win over the other. Um, but again, that's, that's the weird thing about it is I have, I'm literally sitting here telling you guys, do they do a ground and pound offense run? Because we, we don't know. Like we knew what Doug Peterson did um, and we knew he would like to throw the football a lot, but I'm sitting here literally in my head, just scheming up. Okay. Do we run the ball heavy? Are we going to throw it? Are we going to have a three, four defense or four, three? Are we going to be, you know, a linebacker? We're going to be blitzing more, right? Jim Schwartz just didn't want to blitz. Are we going to be sending a linebacker? Are we going to be sending exotic blitzes? The, the corner is going to come off the edge and try to blitz. We have no idea. That's what's so fun about this. But also, it could turn turn bad real quick. The, the fun could go away, and this team could be going downhill. Uh, that's that's 50-50. It's a toss-up. But the division is what scares me, and I think uh, it scares everybody because everybody in our division seems like improved, whether it be because of signings, whether it be because of guys just getting healthy, like Dak Prescott just getting healthy, makes the Cowboys a hell of a lot better. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens down the road. But I hear you. Uh, on that note, let's leave it there and bookmark it. We'll come back to it uh, next week with the Eagles. Uh, two days away will be at that point from the NFL draft. And, um, you know, we want to turn a page now and talk about the Philadelphia Phillies. Eight and eight records so far um, in the NL East. They've gone through the Mets twice. They've gone through the Atlanta Braves twice. Two tough pitching rotations, two tough lineups to face. Um, and they're coming off a, a two out of three game uh, victory in a series against the St. Louis Cardinals. So, Obviously, when we record in the show, we have the loss against the San Francisco Giants, Gabe Kapler's first night back at Citizen Bank Park. So we got a sour taste in our mouths right now, especially because we put up a goose egg across the board. Uh, we didn't score a single run. We did get our fair amount of hits. But when you talk about this team right now, obviously there's a black hole in the center field position. Adam Hazley didn't work out. He's gone uh, for whatever reason. We don't know still. Roman Quinn has not seen the field, and it feels like two or three games at this point because he's just terrible. Um, there's no other word that you want to use. He's just not it's a good ridiculous. baseball player. Um, and then you have Mickey Moniak, who, uh, you're, again, see, another work colleague of yours, uh, James Seltzer, a couple, well, I think it was last week, put out, why not Mick? Why not give Mick a shot there in center field? And, hell, I didn't. I wasn't against him. I said, yeah, why not Mick? Let's see what he's got. Well, I'll tell you what he's got so far. Absolutely jack nothing. He's got <laughs> jack nothing out there in center field. I mean, he's struggling to field the ball. I mean, he lost that ball last night almost resulted in a in an extra base hit and a bloop fly out to center field. I mean, the Phillies are struggling right now in center field. Didi Gregorius now banged up with that elbow injury. I mean, where do you guys want to start with this team right now? You want to talk positive? You want to talk the few, uh, well, let's not say few, a bit, the ton of negatives this team could possibly have right now? Man, uh, where, where are we starting? Man, look, it, the reason why a lot of people, including James Seltzer, was saying – all right, Mickey Moniak was because, damn it, we got to try something. Try something. Something different. Because we we all knew that Roman Quinn and Adam Hazley wasn't working out at all. So try something different. All right? Look, we were talking about this, matter of fact, pre-show. We were talking about, hell, Scott freaking Kingery. And what did you guys bring up? What did you guys say? What, what, how many hits does he have down in AAA? Like He's you guys, one of 26 like, at the alternate site with 12 strikeouts. I said this from the very beginning of the baseball season. All right. I said that the 
starting center fielder for the Philadelphia Phillies is currently not on this team. I said that and I meant it. The only way you're going to get a decent center fielder, doggone it, you're going to have to trade for somebody. That's the only stinking way. Because look here, I'm so I understand we haven't seen him for a couple games, but damn it, I got so sick and tired of seeing Roma Quinn out there being an automatic out. It was annoying as hell to me. All right. The only thing that man was good for was on the bases. That was it. All right. Fielding sucks. Hitting yeah, see, and then sucks. he slides in the third base and thinks the ball goes in the left field on Jesus the base Christ. pass and then gets tagged out. So, and, yeah, I mean, he, you could argue oh, now he doesn't God. have any skill set. God, and then he did that, and I was just like, oh, man, dude, what the hell? Man, it's completely useless. What is he good yeah. for? Just <sighs> just to bring up the numbers, to, to make people feel even worse about this center field position, the Phillies have – Because that's what we're here to do. We're here, we're here to <laughs> yeah. They have the yeah. worst center field Downers. in baseball. Um, I believe all combined three of 47, if, if, three if that's correct. Yeah, three of 49. Yeah, 49. And they're the only team in MLB without a an RBI from their center field. And we already mentioned Scott King Grease, um, his stats. And then, T, now I you hate, could say there's I, another I, option I, at center I hate field. To, you have Odubel Herrera. Hold up, guys. I hate to make that stat worse, but it's three of 50 for .060 average. Wow. <laughs> just go ahead, Tim. Gee, just throw, just throw a bigger damper on it. All right. I mean, geez. I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. All right. I mean, I thought I was making it sound bad. You are, you're over here just adding to it. You want to make it three of 51 next? Actually, we can skip ahead because, you know, tonight, like, whoever's starting in center field is going over four. So we can make it three of 54 if you want to. <laughs> Might as well. Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, uh, I want to I bring up Matt Moore to you guys. I know he struggled a ton, a 9.82 ERA, I believe leave through his first what four starts it is now we know that he's not the answer uh for the long run we brought him in here you know pitching japan last year had a good season uh so be it but now he comes over and uh i want to bring up a few names to you guys because i think we can all agree matt moore is not gonna be in the philadelphia philly uniform too much longer um whether it be cutting him and i know it's gonna be tough because the, the phillies don't want to look stupid they don't want to sign a guy and then cut him for four weeks into the season but the problem is you're just gonna have to get a guy that can now whether it be spencer howard um, I'm hearing Cole Hamels is going to be doing a showcase for people soon so we can bring back an old friend. Cole Hamels, 37 years old now, by the way. Yes. But you have guys that are veteran presence, like Rick Porcello, uh, a few years back, actually won the Cy Young Award. Uh, he's a free agent. Um, Jeff Samarja, who uh, nicknamed the Shark, um, pitched for the Giants a handful of years there. But when you guys think about solving this problem, is it going to be, like T said, you got to go out externally and get a center fielder do you just go right now and say, yo, Spencer, you're up and you're, you know, you work internally with it? Or do you go out there and sign somebody to bring in as another starter? Man, who the hell do you have to bring up? To bring up? Let's be honest here, man. Uh, Spencer Howard, too. I mean, we drafted him at a, a second round for a reason. Yeah, but he, you, don't forget about him. Yeah, but do, do we really want to expose him this early? Do we really think he's ready? And that's a hell of a jump. That's all I don't I'm think saying. It's, I don't think it's a question of if he's ready. I mean, it's a question of how many times do you want to see Matt Moore go out there and go three innings and give up nine runs? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. Shoot, I, at this point, I'm ready to throw out Tyre Hood, Max, <laughs> Maxwell Granzula, <laughs> and freaking Tannehill Martin out there. Shoot, I, I can well, almost guarantee you I we'll did, do better. I did some pitching. I did some pitching in the Little League. Maybe uh, 
when uh when six innings i'm I'm ready to go out there yeah i think i think at this point in our careers guys we're all bullpen pieces we, we got about 12 pitches in our arsenal before we blow out an arm still uh still but, but i do wanna, i do want to touch on here uh also because we know matt moore is a, a big time problem with this team but also chase anderson who has not gone past i believe the fifth inning in any of his starts this year but last night makes one bad pitch to brandon bell it's a two-run home run the only two runs the giants score the entire game he pitched 70 pitches and he actually was pulled after the fourth inning in favor of Brad Miller, who came up in a big-time situation. If you guys remember, it was second and third, two outs. Yeah. Chase Anderson was in the all-deck circle. Joe Girardi calls him back, puts Brad Miller in there, and Brad Miller hits a weak ground ball to third base for the last out of the inning. Now, it's a good thing, and I'll say good thing, because we have guys like David Hale, who I've been hard on. I still don't think he's a good reliever, but he comes in and gives you two scoreless innings. Then you have Sam Coonrod come in. He throws – now, he – like I told you guys, and Tanner, you mentioned this as well. Spring training, uh, very, uh, very hard to command some of his pitches. He's a little wild, but he does have that velocity. I told you, 97 to 98 miles an hour on the fastball. He got up over 100 last night. He hit 101 twice in the same inning. So, he was able to do, I believe, two scoreless innings as well. And Jojo Romero came in at the end. The bullpen is not the problem right now. And that, that was the number one concern last year. T, I know you can at least admit that the bullpen has been a lot better. But when you have an offense that's going to put up zeros across the board, again, they only score two runs in that NOLA start for him. If NOLA does not go out there and dominate the way he did on Sunday, that game is very losable. Yeah. Um, so what are you looking at with this lineup right now? You have a struggling Andrew McCutcheon at the leadoff spot. He's batting under 200. Just doesn't look like himself still. Not the same guy coming off of that ACL injury two years ago. You have, again, we, we talk about the black hole in center field, usually in the eighth spot in your lineup, whether it be Mickey Moniak, who struggled, obviously, since he's got recalled. And then you have Roman Quinn, who, you know, I'm kind of sick of mentioning at this point. So that's two spots in your lineup that really don't have any production for you whatsoever. And the only thing that I want to mention after that is that's sandwiched literally right between the pitcher spot. So you literally have the eight hitter, the nine hitter, and the one hitter. Basically, at this point in the season, they're all automatic outs. I mean, I hate to say that about Andrew McCutcheon, but it's the truth. I mean, he's struggling. He can't get on base. The other thing is he's not taking his walks as much as he's done in the past either, not seeing as many pitches. So that's three automatic outs in this lineup. So when you don't have Bryce, who's gotten hot the last few games, we don't have JT stepping up and, and doing his thing, uh, usually you know at least one or two hits per game. Um, when those two guys, and you want to throw in DD or Alec Bohm, when those guys are not hitting the ball, you're basically looking at a team that will not get a lot of hits, will not see a lot of walks. And again, Tanner, your boy Reese Hoskins has not been walking as much as he has in years past. So when you have that all combined, it's a recipe for disaster offensively. And not to mention the last thing here, Didi Gregorius, who's out with that elbow injury. Hopefully it's not too, uh, too long before we see him back on the field. But it, again, it is that surgically repaired elbow that he had Tommy John surgery on, I believe two years ago at this point. Well, we can't exactly call him this. No, more. Andrew McClutchin. Can't even call him that no more. Unfortunately, man, he, he, he's been a complete, another opposites. Like you said, we really don't even have a leadoff hitter to be honest with you. Even That's what I'm saying. So, so are you guys in the, in the, in the mindset of maybe you take a guy like Gene Segura, who's hitting like 350 right now, maybe try plugging him in the leadoff spot and try to change things up. Or is it just the lost cause at this point? Honestly, you need to do something to change it up because it's a shame that, you know, you can pretty much count on one out already within the first inning. So it, you got to try something. You got to move Gene up. It, try something. Hell, I think um, I think there was a couple times when 
um, last year, wasn't it? Uh, Bryce Harper started and lead lead off a couple of a couple of games. Yeah, I don't as well? want to see that. Now, nah, Bryce is a three hole hitter, and he should be that the rest of his career. But I will say this point real fast: Gene Segura. If you mention him in a lead off spot, a lot of people are going to hit you back and say, "Listen, Gene Segura, a guy who's super aggressive, a lead off guy, supposed to see a lot of pitches and get his walks." Gene Segura is not a guy who's going to see a ton of pitches or a lot of walks. He's an aggressive hitter. He wants to put the ball in play. And again, he's hitting over three fifty right now, which is great, but. Uh, clearly that's probably not sustainable for him over a stretch of 162 games. So are you guys still in favor of, I know making a switch, but is Gene Sigur the guy uh, possibly at least right now with how hot he's been to step into that leadoff spot and try to get the ball rolling for the guys behind him, like Hoskins, Harper and real Muto. I mean, he would be an option for me. And also another option when he comes back from that injury is Didi. I would put, I would consider putting him in the starting spot as well. I mean, you need some kind of a hitter, man. I mean, you need, you need some hitting from that one spot. You need something, something to change up this lineup. And then another thing that's also concerning already in the beginning of this season, and it's something that I've been mentioning for the past couple of seasons as we've been as we've been doing this program, is the fact that we can get on base, but then we leave scorers in position. On We leave the scorers on bases. Yeah. Why is that? That's a problem. We need to bring those guys home. I don't understand yeah, it. Yeah, speaking of, speaking of that, T, 10 guys were left on base. Ten runners were stranded, in the in the game. You can't have ten that. runners. If you you this team is expected to go to the playoffs, you're not going to go to the playoffs, or you're not going to go very far in the playoffs if you don't bring those scores home. And that's period point blank. I don't care how many times you get on base, you still got to bring those guys that's on base home. You got to score. That's the whole point of the game. Yeah, score they don't have damn. any timely hitting right now. There's no timely hitting whatsoever to this team. Joe Girardi's got to figure it out. He's also taking some heat. Uh, recently, I know it's not all his fault, but again, when you're when you're losing some close games, the manager's obviously going to be under fire. Luckily, we haven't had to see a ton of Hector Neres, who I know we're all not big fans oh, of, God. but he oh, hasn't God. been in a game uh, because you know it's either not been a safe situation. Nola goes to distance the other day, and then the loss last night to the Giants. So, big picture speaking here, the lineup clearly needs to change to it. Whether you yeah. go out externally and get a guy to bring in here pitching uh, as a starter or or center fielder. That remains to be seen, but of course, there's a ton of ton of work to be done in order to compete with these guys in the division. I think it's safe to say that this lineup is going to be changed around. You mentioned we already mentioned Kutch, how he's struggling. Oh, oh, four, and then Hoskins went one for five. Harper, of course, he's picking it up three of four, and then JT oh and three. So, I mean, there's you pick any spot in this lineup, and there's there's a struggle, except for you know. Last season, it was everyone getting on Harper because he wasn't picking up the pace. And now he is the only one. And now there's definitely, I mean, it, like I said, it's safe to say that there's going to be a change in this lineup, and that's going to be soon. Yeah, you know, I actually woke up this morning, and I was trying to think about it in my head. I don't know why. It was the first thing that hit me, but I realized, you know, Anthony McCutcheon's not getting the job done. I mean, do you? I, I don't know how far you're moving down the lineup um, because at the end of the day, is it somebody that you want to go to as a veteran player and tell them, listen, Kutch, you're going to hit eighth today? Is yeah. that something you want to do to a guy that's, you know, a former MVP of this league? I'm not too sure. It's kind of one of those things where it gets you get into a tricky situation, you know? You got to do what you got to do for the betterment of the team. I mean, look, I, I understand about all about Kutch's uh, accomplishments in the past, but that's the past. You know, that was then. This is now. You're, you're not the same player that you were back then. And you're not playing like that same player either. So guess what? Changes are going to have to be made. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that bruises your ego. Tough. Play better. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, listen, they got they got to finish up the series with the Giants, then they're going to go and hit a road trip. So by the time we're talking about this team next week, they will be leaving Colorado, and they will be playing, I believe, the St. Louis Cardinals on the road. So, again, the road does not get easier for the Phillies. I will say the Mets have had an easy road so far, so uh, don't let that record uh, bother you guys out there. Uh, you Philadelphia Phillies fans, they played a couple of pretty poor teams. Uh, let's exclude the Phillies from that list, please, because I don't want to call them a poor team. But they had played the Colorado Rockies. They're going to go play the Cubs for, I believe, three or four games starting tonight, actually. So uh, the Cubs aren't that great of a team either. It is on the road to Chicago. Not that it makes too much of a difference with the limited fans, but remains to be seen uh, within the, again, super long season. Uh, we'll stick with it every single week and just pick up where the team has been uh, over their five to seven games that they've played um, since our previous show. So we'll pick it up from there next week. And the last thing we want to mention today is the 76ers. Um, I know, big picture speaking here, you have the Nets and the Sixers neck and neck, again, fighting for that one seed. When you think about this team, uh, the 76ers and then the Brooklyn Nets, it's, is it really going to come down to what team stays healthier than the other? Because that's what it seems like right now. You have James Harden working his way back from the hamstring injury. And then also you have to touch on Kevin Durant leaving that game against Miami Heat with that, that thigh contusion. So, uh, yeah, see, real quick here, when you look at this, this Nets team versus the Sixers, is it going to come down to, you know, who blinks first as far as, can this team stay healthy? We, lo- we lose Ben Simmons with an illness for at least one game. I don't know how long he's going to be out. Hopefully not too long. And Tobias Harris, which is a little bit more concerning with that knee injury. Yeah, pretty much. It, yeah, it's pretty, pretty much comes down to a, not, not only health, but also skill as well. Just just one minor thing I just want to bring up, you know, from that next game that I do remember as we get closer to the playoffs. I mean, look. Ben Simmons can be great as soon as he steps onto that court. And we all know the value that he brings to this team. But at the end of the day, I don't care how much I'm going to fuss about this until eventually it comes to fruition. Like this team can go to the finals. They really can. However, they can only go to the finals. And I'm saying this literally because this is the only scenario where they can go to the, go to the finals. The only way they're going to be able to go to the finals is if Ben Simmons shoots that damn ball. That's the only way you've got to be able to put pressure on the defense. Look, I understand we missed Ben Simmons um, last night against the Golden State Warriors, and Steph Curry just made some just stupid, stupid doggone uh, shots. But at the end of the day, man, this team can only go as far as Ben Simmons can take them. Like, it, yeah, it comes down to health, but it also comes down to the fact that Ben Simmons is going to shoot that damn ball, and then otherwise we're going to keep repeating. Tanner, you can shake your head all you freaking want. Wrong, right, Tanner, wrong, Tanner, wrong, wrong, wrong. You got wrong, the last word. Wrong. You got the last T, word on T, you cannot, you cannot convince me that the Sixers – won't make the finals just because Ben Simmons won't shoot that three. That it doesn't make sense to me. Um, ben Simmons is a, a great player in any other asset uh, in basketball. He does not need that three point shot to bring this six. It, this is this is Joel Embiid's team. First of all, this isn't Ben Simmons' team. You know, you that, that. That's where you're also you're also wrong with that. T. Okay, we do not need to focus on this Ben Simmons three shot. It's you know. It, I mean, we should be over it at this point. We got other guys for the exact reason to pick up the three-point slack. Now, w- when they're needed, they they have been stepping up at, like Danny Green, a guy who we were all on earlier in this season. You have Seth Curry showing out with his brother. Now, he knocked down three of seven. You'd like to see that picked up a little more. But you have Joel Embiid, and the reason he only shot three times from the three is because Ben Simmons is not playing. And he needs to go on the inside. Now, the reason he needs to go on the inside, because that's what Ben Simmons does. He, he's an inside scorer. But if you have all these guys back, you don't need to rely on Ben Simmons three that you're just not going to sell me on that. I don't know what you think, Max. 
Well, I don't think you have to rely on Ben Simmons three either. What I will say is when he's not as aggressive as we've seen in previous, you know, times, you know, you got to look back at that Utah game where he dropped 42 points. I mean, where's that Ben Simmons at? You know, where's that aggressive guy who's going to get in the right. paint? He's going to get to the free throw line a bunch of times. I haven't seen that guy in a very long time. I mean, he's not shooting the ball efficiently, even when he drives in the paint. Uh, I want to see him get to the free throw line more. And I get it. He's, he's in there to set up his uh, teammates for open shots, but when we get into the playoffs, I just don't want – and now, again, he's probably not a liability anymore from the free-throw line perspective. At least he's been knocking them down at a higher clip than what we've seen in the past. But I'll leave it at this. The Sixers and the Nets are going to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's inevitable. And I don't want to have to go through the Bucks to get to the Nets. I really want that one seed. It's important. I just don't want guys missing games with you know upset stomachs this late in the regular season. I mean, you have to go out there and you have to win these games. <laughs> the Warriors have one guy. I get Steph Curry. The tear that he's been on has been unheard of. Ever. I mean, I think he's literally doing things that we've never seen before in the NBA as far as shooting goes. But I just need us to get the one seed, be able to play, whether it be the whoever's going to be this force. The Knicks are playing well. We're better than them. The, the Hornets have been pretty solid. I'm not scared of them. I mean, it's literally a three-horse race. I don't want to have to play the three seed. I want to have to play a chump. Then I want to have to play probably another chump. Like, I'm not scared of the Knicks. I get it. They have Julius Randle, who's had a great season, but I'm not scared of them. And then just stay healthy grind things out. Hopefully we get out of those series in four or five games, stay healthy, stay rested, not have to play seven games like the Bucks and the Nets could possibly have to do. And then, you know, you pick the bones of the, of the, of the Nets when they come in. They've only played seven games together still with that trio. And again, I think it's going to hurt them at the end of the day uh, when the playoffs start. Uh, talent takes you uh, to a certain point, but when you don't have that cohesiveness on the court and the playoffs come, I think that's going to be a big time problem. Again, I have trust in Doc Rivers to be able to outcoach Steve Nash as well. But uh, we'll have to leave it there, guys. We'll, we'll talk about it all next week and see with that. We'll shut it down. All right, guys, you guys missed any of this episode. You can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. We are available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at the Philly Experience on Twitter at the Philly EXP1 on Twitter. We are nine days away from the NFL draft. We will be doing the first ever Philly Experience live NFL draft reaction. I can almost guarantee you it's going to be a doozy. I, I, I'm going to yell. I can tell you that right now. So if you like me yelling, you might as well just tune in. All right. You, and you're also going to be able to call us and interact with us as well. So stay tuned for that. Happy 420, everybody. Hey, also, happy Earth Day, Tate. Not just 420. <laughs> it's also Earth Day. Don't forget that. Appreciate where you live, the land you live on. What the hell is going on? ridiculous. I'm sick of this. It's day off the week. <laughs> He's not your cup of tea.